Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello everyone and welcome to The Fumble, it's me Vernon Kay, I'm the main man, Mr Darren Fletcher. Darren, we are in the thick of it now, there's no turning back, the Super Bowl is round the corner, Tampa Bay, here we, no we're not going to Tampa Bay, we're no, going to stay at home. Near, nearly. Well, well, you know, we're, nearly. it's round the corner, that's what I'm Listen, getting at, it's round the corner. We're, we're only going to be a 10 hour flight away, that's nothing. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Hey, you never know, with Joe Biden in charge, we could well, be on a plane sooner than than you think. Oh, I thought you meant the flight was going to get longer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. Big diversion around the world. Anyway, fingers crossed. But, yes. like I said, the Super Bowl is round the corner. Um, we're into the semi-finals, Darren, and we've got four brilliant teams that are going to give us four brilliant games with four brilliant quarterbacks at the helm. But before we talk about what's coming up, Let's talk about last weekend. Let's before talk about we, our predictions. Before we first. talk about coming up, let, 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 me, let me go through a counting lesson with you. So follow me, right? One. One. Two. Two. Three. Three. Four. Four. Okay. Because you just said we've got four teams left and we'll get four great games. There's only two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're yeah. right. Yeah, Only it's two. It's excitement, Darren. That's what it is. It's the It'll excitement. feel like four. Good. It's as good as four. Two's yeah. as good as four on this occasion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're right. Yeah. Uh, we'll not do a retake because we're not about that. No, we're not. Anyway, it, it, it's the semi-finals. Four great teams. Yeah. Two great matchups. Do you know what? As well, two, two great matchups that are so different, aren't they? Because in the NFC, we've got this, you know, all-time great matchup. And I think, look, I, I'm not saying that this is the case that you could genuinely sit in a bar and ask who the two greatest exponents of the quarterback position in the history of the league are, and you would make a case for Aaron Rodgers and for Tom Brady in different ways. There would be other people as well who'd be in the conversation. But I've got to say, in all the time I've spent watching this sport, I've never seen a quarterback as perfect as Aaron Rodgers in terms of the way he throws it and what he does and how easy he makes it look. The, the, The... the throwing style is perfect, isn't it? The throwing motion, he throws a tight spiral, everything you want to see. 
and he's the coolest cookie in the place as well. And then you've got Brady, the serial winner. So that matchup is, it's a Hollywood script. And then on the other side of things, you've got the young guns, haven't you? You've got Mahomes, who's been there, the best in the league, coming back off the injury. And you've got Josh Allen, who, in my opinion, is the most improved player in the National Football League in any position this year. Um, he's the future of the Buffalo Bills. He's, he's moving towards the argument of being one of the top five in his position in the league, which is extremely rarefied air. So I'm really excited because two different games, different cast of characters, you know, teams at different stages of their development and expectation levels. I think we've got absolutely everything. You know, I tip Baltimore to win the Super Bowl, so I'm a bit disappointed they're not there. But I think on balance, if you could pick the final four, you probably, I would have picked these four because I think you're going to get two classics. I can't see either game being lopsided one way or the other. I just think it's going to be a great weekend. Yeah, it is. And I'm going to glow a little bit and I apologise. So way back when we were in Miami, you and I had a good conversation, I seem to recall, before I got on the beers, about who was going to win this Super Bowl. Mm. You know, in the state of Florida again, over in Tampa, on the west coast of Florida, and I placed my bets. And I am really excited to say that of the four semi-finalists, way back when, I chose three of what we've got. I had Green Bay, I had Tampa, and I had everyone else. I'll do some maths here while you're speaking. Just bear with me a second. Do it. I had the Kansas City Chiefs, but I didn't have the Buffalo Bills. Okay, so we have 32 teams in the NFL. Yeah. This week, you sent Simon and I your betting slip. Yeah. So I think you had bets on six teams. Yeah, I had... You had a one in five chance. All right. <laughs> Let me explain. Yeah, but you I can't give Tampa me the big Bay, John McCrick at this stage. I had Tampa Bay to yeah. win their division. <laughs> I had Tampa Bay to be NFC champions. And I had yeah. Tampa Bay to be Super Bowl champions. Bizarrely, yeah. the odds were better for them to be conference champions than Super Bowl champions. Okay. Weird, that, isn't it? Yeah. It is, actually, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then I had Baltimore, Seattle, Green Bay, Kansas City, Tampa Bay to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. Not bad. I know what you're saying. It's, you know, it's kind of, I threw a load of mud at the wall and some of it stuck. (laughs) That's what you're getting at. But they were all calculated bets, Darren. Listen, when that money appears in your account, there'll be one of us laughing and it won't be me. So I can say what I like at this point, but you will win. So that's that, isn't it? Well, I will, unless Buffalo do... uh, the greatest miracle in modern yeah. day football, I believe. Well, is it, is it though? Because there is a realistic possibility still as we record this on Wednesday, and we're going to put that caveat in. If you're listening on Sunday and you know something different, then that's fine. But there is, is still a, a legitimate op- a chance here that, that Mahomes won't get through the concussion protocol. We, we're led to believe at this stage, he's passed all of the, the baseline tests as it stands. And even if he does come through it completely there is no guarantee that it's going to be a 100% Patrick Mahomes and that might just tip the scales a little bit towards the Buffalo Bills as difficult as it is and when you bear in mind how well the Browns played against Kansas City at the weekend and you would say that Buffalo are a better team than Cleveland so clearly Kansas City will have to play better this weekend against Buffalo than they played against Cleveland if they want to win so that might be 
a little bit more of a of a, of a level playing field than we think. Um, the other one's fascinating because they played in the regular season and the Buccaneers literally took the Packers apart. I mean, Rodgers threw a pick six. Um, the pressure was on Rodgers all the way through and it looked a complete mismatch. But you can guarantee that come NFC Championship game time in the, the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field, that's going to look entirely different. Um, it's going to be a big test for Brady and his team. Antonio Brown's a doubt, got a knee problem. So that would be a potential issue for them because Mike Evans is not 100%. And then you've got to ask the question whether they can slow down Devante Adams. We'll take a little look at those games a, a little bit later on. Let's just reflect back a little bit on, on last weekend, if we can, because I thought it was a brilliant, brilliant weekend. I thought the games we saw all gave you something. You know, in, in a in the one I, I, I was on Sports Extra on Sunday with Jason Bell. And... The Chiefs and the Browns game, for I thought, gave you everything. Contentious calls, key moments, big plays, the possibility of a shock, you know, the backup quarterback coming in and, and getting Kansas City through to the championship game. I thought that was an absolute classic last week. I, I just loved every minute of it. The one thing that got me about that game, and when I joined you and Jason on the, on the coverage... Jason made a, a, a couple of really big statements, you know, at the ease in which Kansas City were moving the football with Patrick Mahomes on the centre. You know, they used all their weapons, very rarely used the running game because that's what Kansas City are all about. But it never really flourished. It never got to the point where every drive, and they were moving the football with ease. It was like a hot knife through butter. But once it got down to the red zone or that area, uh, they just couldn't couldn't get it in the end zone. And I think that's going to be a real problem for them against the Bills because the Bills play tough defensive football. Yeah, and I thought as well to, to kind of follow on from that point, I think if you, can, if you can limit the number of possessions that the Chiefs have, it's a big help to you. I think, you know, you've got to score points, but you've got to score points whilst taking time off the clock. And we saw that with the Browns. There were methodical drives. They weren't big plays. You know, it wasn't a case of Mahomes gets a touchdown and then a minute later they're back on the field because of a, a, a long play from, from May, Mayfield to one of his wide receivers. They then marched methodically down and they made it, it limited the number of possessions that Kansas City could have. They also, I thought, on both sides of the ball, both teams were really good last week at finding a play when they needed it. You know, whether it be a defensive play or an offensive play, you saw the value last week of Travis Kelsey. If ever you needed to know, you know, whenever they were in a hole, the quarterback looked for Kelsey and he's always there and you know they're going to throw it to him and I still can't work out why they can't cover him. And you'll know this, having played defensive back and, and Jason talked about this a lot. You kind of knew the writing was on the wall when Denzel Ward, the best corner for Cleveland, was taken apart by the tight end Kelsey on, on his touchdown play. And you just looked at it then and thought, well... If Denzel Ward can't cover Travis Kelsey, there is nobody dressed in a Cleveland Browns uniform tonight that can cover Travis Kelsey because he's their Jalen Ramsey. You know, he's their, he's their shutdown corner. So if the tight end is better than the shutdown corner, you've got no chance. And that, that was an area, I thought, where there was always a big advantage. Answer me this, because I was a bit conflicted about this. And Jason was very much, well, no, we all know the rules and that's what it is. And, and that's fine. And then social media went mad, Twitter in particular. The play where Rashad Higgins, the wide receiver, gets down to the one-yard line, kind of reaches for the end zone, fumbles into the end zone, touchback, 
change of possession, ball with Kansas City. The point that kept getting made was it's a stupid rule because anywhere else on the field, if it goes out of bounds, it goes back to the team that fumbled it. So why should it be any different there? Why do you not just keep the possession where the ball came out? Because it is a dead ball at that stage. But where do you spot it? Probably where he fumbled it. Yeah, but then it didn't go out where he fumbled it. No, but, but it's a dead ball at that stage because it's gone out. You can't, they can't, nobody can do anything with it. You just automatically get the ball back. But the, you're digging yourself into a pit because I know the rules on special teams are completely different because it's a different part of the game. But you could say, well, hang on a minute, he just belted it out the end zone. Why can't we get the ball on their 20 yard line? But that, but that is a touchback. That is the rule. But this is a team in possession. I mean, that is a change of possession. A kick is a change of possession. Yeah, I so get all, that. But that's what yeah. this has become. This has become a change of possession because the ball rolled out of the end zone. And I so think you, if you are say... Are you okay with it? I'm, I'm, I'm not okay with it, you see. I don't, I don't think it's right. I don't think that you should be in a position as an offensive team that you fumble the ball and the opposition doesn't recover it. If he'd have fumbled it into the end zone and it was picked up by Kansas City, if they'd have recovered the fumble, fine. You've you fumbled it and you've lost it. But if it's not recovered by the, the by the defence anywhere else on the field, you keep it. So why should it be that you fumble it into the end zone and it goes out and you lose it? It makes no sense. It makes the rule different for one area of the field. And, and I think, Vern, I'd go as far as to this. I think they'll seriously look at changing it when the competition committee meets at the end of the year because there was such a backlash. And I get it. I wouldn't mind if you fumbled the ball and it goes out of bounds. And by doing that anywhere on the field, it's a change of possession. But it is only into the end zone. And it wasn't recovered by the defence. It rolled out of bounds, through the end zone and out of bounds. So I think to lose the possession at that stage so close to the goal line is extremely harsh. Yeah, it is. It, it, it's tough. It really is tough. And it's tough on the Browns because they were moving the ball really well on that drive as well. You know, they picked their plays perfect. But I think if you look at it and you say, right, it's a Cleveland fumble, which has gone out of bounds. We're still going to give Cleveland possession, but where do you spot the football? Do they you'd lose spot it where he fumbled it. You'd spot it. I mean, you just, free, you just freeze the instant replay and say, well, he fumbled it at the two. So you, you've, got, you've got first and goal at the two. That doesn't sit right with me, Darren. Honestly, it doesn't. Does that sit? Does that sit worse than you though? Than that team losing the ball? Where anywhere else on the field, if they fumble no, I, it, I, they I would keep it. Yeah, it's unfair. It is unfair because, like I said, you know, it was, it was a great drive which ended controversially. But if he fumbled the football out of bounds and no one touched it, then Cleveland had possession, but he's lost it in a territory which is owned by the Kansas City Chiefs. Okay, so thinking on my feet then, because you, you, you raise a good point. Where would you where would you place the ball? Fine, I get that. See, that's a good point. That might be one of the reasons why they do what they do. So what if you said then, there's no change of possession then, you fumbled it into the end zone and out, so you go back to where the play was from. And it's yeah, I'm happy down, with that. And it's I'm, second down. You lose I'm, a down because it it's essentially then an incomplete pass. Yeah, I'm happy I with don't that. think you should lose possession because you don't lose it anywhere else. Yeah, you you can you can carry it from the five yard line to the nine yard line and then fumble it out of bounds and you keep the ball. Yeah, fumble out of bounds, maintain possession, loss of down. Yeah, so you move on to the next one and back to where you were. No, listen, if we're getting into controversy, right, and let's stick with that play. 
That was definitely leading with the crown of the helmet by the Kansas City defender, Storrenson. Yeah. 100%. But it's a non-reviewable play. Yeah. Right? And I think it should remain a non-reviewable play because if you look at the, the quagmire that the NFL got itself into when they changed the rule for pass interference and how that can be challenged by the head coach after the New Orleans Saints debacle. Was it last year or the year before? The year before against the Rams in the playoffs. That was a mess. And the solution that they came up with was an even bigger mess, in my yeah. opinion. Because what? Solely because pass interference, defensive or offensively, is completely objective. It's how you see it. The majority yeah. of pass interference calls that I've seen this year a petty, a soft, you know, yeah. the defender can't put a hand on the wide receiver, which is garbage. Okay. And I'm going to carry on with this steam train that's rolling into the debacle about rules. The one rule that really gets my back, Darren, is how running backs can stiff arm a defender in the face, jolting his neck back, but it's all right because his hand is open and it's not a clenched fist. But if you're an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman doing exactly the same, that's hands to the face. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. J just on that hit, you're talking about Daniel Sorensen on, on Rashard Higgins. Um, and I, I'm a little bit sympathetic to the whole procedure on Sunday. And, I, and I'll tell you why. One, because I cover the Premier League and I've got this VAR debacle on a weekly basis. <laughs> the thing that tends to skip everybody's mind is that it has to be a clear and obvious error for it to be reviewed. It's not whether it's right or wrong. They're not, they're not adjudicating on right or wrong. They're only adjudicating on right or wrong if it's a clear and obvious error or a game-changing moment. So if they look at a challenge and they think, well, yeah, we did get that wrong, but it's not that clear and obvious. You know, it's just a, a, a slight error of judgment. They'll let the game carry on because they want it to work like that. The same applies in the NFL. You have a situation here where helmet to helmet is non-reviewable. So that's across the board. But I would say over the course of a season, we've seen more flags thrown for hits that weren't illegal that the referees thought were, and they've taken the safety first approach that when one slips through the net like that, I think you've just got to put it down to experience. You know, maybe that group of individuals that day, the angle that each of them had, it looked like the shoulder went in before the head. And that is quite possible because it was quite low and it was very fast and it was on the sideline. It, 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 there's a lot of factors that come into account. I would sooner the benefit of the doubt come like that. And then if it is what they describe as egregious, then after the play, you fine him and suspend him if that's the case. But significantly, they've decided this week not to fine him. So they didn't actually see the play on review as something they needed to... I, don't, I think that's the case. I will check it. But I think that's the case. I read that somewhere. So I, I, I get it. And I can see why there was um, a lot of talking about it. Because in reality, yes, it was a helmet-to-helmet -helmet hit but it wasn't seen by the officials for whatever reason. And if that's the case, you just have to allow it to be that way. Yeah. The thing is, Darren, it's not consistent. No. It isn't consistent in the league throughout every game. There's, yes, that was an illegal hit. It was helmet to helmet where it isn't. It's helmet to shoulder. 
And I think that has to be reviewable. I think you, if you've got the facility and if, if you want to make the game safe, the players need, they can't be black and white when it comes to player safety. However, I'm a huge advocate that this is a big, this is a big game played by big men in a physical arena. So if you know that you're going to get beat up, if you know that a guy is going to hit you hard, it's coming your way. So we're going, we're going around in circles because you and I have had this debate many, many times. Is American football getting less physical? In my opinion, the answer is yes. Hmm. There are a lot of guys in the Hall of Fame who made a career out of physically beating people up. And they wouldn't be in, that, in Canton, Ohio today if the rules that are now were then. But it's such a grey area. You need to make it concrete. What is helmet to helmet? Can you... You know, when, you, when there's a quarterback in the pocket, you can no longer hit him lower than his knees or higher than his shoulder pads. And you can't even push him anymore when, exactly. once the ball's gone. You can't even push him. Right, so you can't put the quarterback... The quarterback is the golden boy of the league. It's where all the money is generated, blah, 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 blah. So why don't they do, and they're trying to do it with wide receivers and just say to defensive backs, you can hit him in the stomach, that's it. You can't take his legs out. You can't take him his shoulders. You've yeah, got to hit see, him see, see, I in think, the midriff. I think, I think all this is great in theory, and this is only ever looked at from the defensive player's side. I keep hearing defensive players have got to be taught how to tackle, and they need to learn how to tackle. Instead of hitting, they've got to tackle, and they've got to practice their technique. The big thing that gets forgotten in all of this, in my opinion, is that the players they're trying to tackle are arguably some of the greatest athletes in the world. The game moves fast. Right. And if I'm Tyreek Hill, I'm always thinking, the moment I get the ball in my hands, I want to score a touchdown. I'm not thinking I'm going to get 10 yards or five yards. I want to go the whole way because I know my athletic ability can get me there. So the moment I catch the ball... Defender's mind is, got to go and hit him, got to go and tackle him. So he's running across in a split second to try and get to one of the fastest men on the planet who is so agile and supple and intelligent and sharp and fluid that he's got every move in the world. So he's moving around all over the place because he wants to try and make the fella miss. So with... Two hundredths of a second to go before collision, he might be shoulder going into hip. But the minute Tyreek Hill moves a fraction, he's helmet to helmet. Now, he's not turned up to do that. That's happened. That's not really his fault. And I think it has to be taken into account that tackling is such an inexact science. Yes, if you've got a tackle dummy in the middle of the room and you're running and you put your shoulder into it, brilliant. We can all do that and you can... You can do 10 form, ta- form tackles out of 10, 100 out of 100. But all of a sudden, you stand an NFL wide receiver there who's duking about, is faster than you, is more athletic than you, is a better athlete than you in general, and he's moving around. It's hard to do it, and I've got real sympathy. I don't think there are many players in the league anymore that go out there to really leave a mark on somebody because it costs them too much cash. And these guys get 16 game checks a year. They don't get paid 52 weeks of the year. They get 16 game checks. And if you lose one, that hits you hard. 
it hits your heart. If you lose a game check for an illegal hit, you know it, you feel it. So they're not doing it to lose money. They don't want to be part of the league's pension fund. They want to be keeping that money for themselves. So they're trying their best. But I think there's got to be a realisation on both sides that this is a difficult thing to do. To tackle a player like Tyreek Hill, Rashard Higgins, whoever you want to name, Juju Smith-Schuster, whoever you want to talk about, they are difficult men to tackle because they don't just stand there and go, well, go on then, I'll stand here, you get your shoulder in the right spot and we'll all look good. Because they're all thinking, touchdown, game break, bang, it's hard. And I've got, I've got sympathy for the NFL trying to do it. It's exactly the right thing to do because of what the potential ramifications are for, for players in later life. But I also have sympathy for the defensive guy who's thinking, I don't know whether to stick or twist here because wh what do I aim for? And, and really, the defender, the safest place for the defender to go is below the waist. Because you're thinking, I've got about three, three or four feet now of, of, of real estate where I, I can't get in trouble. But then the player is tackling, he's going, don't tackle my knees, that'll finish me. So they're at cross purposes. And I don't, I don't know personally, unless they find a way to slow the game down, and it's only going to get faster. Unless you slow it down, I don't know how you do it. Because as quick as it is now, it's virtually impossible. Yeah. All Sorensen did on Sunday was get across to try and get Higgins out of bounds. He didn't want to yeah, think yeah, I'm going to yeah, go yeah, helmet yeah. to helmet here, did he? He went across and thought, I'm going to, I've got to stop him. He's going to get a touchdown. No, but the thing is with that tackle, and we've all done it on holiday, we've all dived into the pool without putting our hands first. We've all dived in head first. That's what he did. His hands were nowhere near the equation of making a tackle. Right. But what else is he supposed to do at that stage? Because his head coach and defensive coordinator will have drilled it into him all week you have to stop the guy at all costs. He's on the one-yard line. If you go in yeah. there going in there, thinking, I've got to wrap him up and do this and do that, no, no, Higgins but, is a big receiver. He just yeah. gets through that and he's in the end zone. But by the book, the NFL is telling him, you should have shoved him. Yeah, so the NFL tells him that, and his coaching staff, I would suspect, and I don't know this, but I would suspect, he's telling him something completely different. And his own competitive instinct is telling him something completely different at that stage too. Yeah, yeah. I do think wow. it's a massive grey area that, yeah. that once it's cleared up or once it's become sharper in what we're what we're hoping to see it's just gonna for me you know what i'm like in our whatsapp group every time there's a contentious call yeah. and the defensive player is involved and it's a pathetic helmet to helmet call i light up that whatsapp group because it just annoys me that the game that i love is no longer as physical as it was no but, but and, and right and i'm with you with this because and then i look at it and i think i'm a fan i'm only ever going to be a fan so as a fan, that's what I want, right? Mm. If I'm an ex-player and I'm 55 and I can't remember where my car keys are and I can't find the supermarket, I don't want that. So no. we're at cross-purposes. And what's made the NFL what it is today is exactly the issue now that these guys are dealing with down the line. And I don't know what the balance is. I don't know if you're ever going to find it. I think it's, a, it's almost, it sounds crazy. It's almost damage limitation. And then it's, as an individual, look, you know what the consequences are. Do you still want to take the, the chance? And if they go, yeah, you've almost got to let them get on with it. I don't mm. quite know how... I, I fear that you might almost get to a situation soon where as you sign your contract, you also sign a waiver to exonerate the National Football League of any responsibility that might befall your health in later life. I, I don't know how else they can do it because... The lawsuits we're talking about for players who have been injured 
um, by playing in the NFL run into billions. So that's only going to keep coming because every group of players that retire, there are going to be players that have life-changing injuries to their bodies based on the, the collisions that they've been involved in as a player. So you're almost probably getting to the stage where you're going to have to sign a waiver to say, I take full responsibility for anything that happens to me and I will not come to you and sue you down the line. I, I, I just don't know how it works, Fern. I, I, I've no idea. And I think rugby may well face something similar because all of a sudden on the back of the NFL, you know, a sport that you know really well is having a long, hard look now at what it needs to do to, 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 to limit the stresses and strains on the bodies, particularly the head. So this is happening across the board. Football is now looking at whether people should be heading it. I mean, the entire landscape of sport should, could change in the next decade to something that we're completely not used to. Mm. Yeah, I think, I think uh, there's no way that they'd make players sign a waiver, but I think if they can pump up the investment in player safety and player aftercare, that's a big, a big, big issue at the but moment. Surely it's still your fault as the league if you put them in the position to do it. So you're still there. Yeah. No, I, no, I get it. You, you're talking to the converted because you yeah. know I, I want to see this game uh, keep keep developing, keep growing, but still be built on the foundation that it's a physical sport played by the best athletes in the world who are yeah. there to compete. I, I always have this argument as well where people compare rugby and American football. And I tell them time and time again that the only thing really it has in common is a similar shaped ball. And it's not even the same because yeah. for me, rugby is a tackle sport and American football is a collision sport. And that makes it two different sports. And yeah. people say, well, why can't it happen in rugby? Not yet. Because rugby is a different game, entirely different game than what we're talking about here. It's all predicated on collisions and, 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 all this. So it is different. It, it, the, the, you tackle and you use an oval-ish shaped ball. That That's the similarity. And there the similarity ends. It, it's, it's not the same thing. So it's not the correct comparison because it is completely different. I think if yeah. you're making the comparison between Aussie rules and rugby, then you would have a, a, a better way of doing it. But NFL football is, is, is it's not often we get this deep meaningful, is it, on the podcast? It's not, no. But I think, eh? but but I think it's safe to say, and this is a true reflection of who we are, yeah, and our feelings towards the NFL because we love the physicality of the sport. Mm. And when you see a call like we saw on Sunday, Kansas City and the Browns, you know the fumble, the game-changing fumble. Yeah, the, the Browns would be in the semi-finals now for the Super yeah. Bowl if it hadn't have been for that fumble. We know, we know not, they would. Let's not beat about the bush for That would be the play that NFL films would have built their weekend around in terms of what that's one of the great defensive plays. As it is, the entire press population of the US is up in arms because the helmet hit the helmet. Five years ago, that would be one of be seen as one of the great defensive plays in the playoffs to make a hit on the one yard line and force a fumble and get a turnover and your team win. As it is now, the, the way the hit was administered is being talked about. I've not seen Sorensen get any praise anywhere for making the play. The only thing that's been talked about is that he should have been fined and he should have been flagged for hitting the helmet of, of Rashard Higgins. So it just shows the way the landscape's changed, the way that hits are reported, the way people perceive them. 
that that you know in the days of Ronnie Lott and Jack Tatum and people like that, that's what they that's what they did. You know that that's how they made a living. They put the fear of God into the wide receiver, and you knew that if you got anywhere near that fellow's territory, you were going to pay the price. Doesn't happen anymore, and it, it's completely changed. Just one thing, one other thing I want to talk about from the, from the weekend, and I found it really sad to watch it, and it, I found it quite painful. I watched Drew Brees. Who, I, I knew you would say that. Yeah, I watched Drew Brees, who was a first ballot Hall of Famer and one of the best NFL players that I've had the pleasure to watch. And that fella couldn't throw that ball any further than 20 yards. And even when he threw it 20 yards, he threw it on an arc. And I said to my boy the next day, I said, he can throw that ball now about as far as I can. I said, I'm not joking. And I would throw it with that trajectory. And an NFL quarterback throws the passes that he was throwing on an absolute rope. And by the time it's left his hand, it's in the receiver's hands. That's how quick it gets there. Mm. And I thought it was so sad to see the demise of him in that game of all games. And then the interceptions came in the fourth quarter. And I just looked at it and, and, and people were saying that Troy Aikman said on the broadcast, he said, oh, I really hope he carries on playing. And I was thinking, what are you talking about? He can't play anymore. You don't want him to care. not see Drew Brees play like that. I didn't want to see Peyton Manning shot putting the ball for a season at Denver. Get out of there. I remember Peyton Manning throwing it down the field to Reggie Wayne. Now, that's what I want to see. Marvin Harrison. I remember, you know, the guns of the way approach of the Saints with Drew Brees, that wonderful five foot, 10 inch quarterback with a machine gun arm. It was brilliant. I don't want to see that. And I was really sad to see him go out that way. Didn't like it at all. Yeah, we, we said in last week's podcast that Drew Brees was done. We yeah. didn't say that it was time to say goodbye to Drew Brees because of that reason and that reason only. He can't throw the football anymore. And it must have been gut-wrenching for him when he stood opposite a guy like Tom Brady, who's a year older than him, who is literally launching cannons on the numbers, you know. And yeah. for a guy like Drew Brees, who, you know, is a multiple NFL record holder, He's been in the game a long time. He has won a Super Bowl, you know, so he has got a legacy. He will be a Hall of Famer, first ballot, like you say. But to see him just cut, go out of that game in a way that, I'm going to say it, it was embarrassing. Yeah. It was embarrassing for him. Uh, you know, the thing they did it for me, Vern, you, you know when they did the trick play, the one they nicked off the Bears when yeah. Wims dropped it a week before and that, yeah. they used it. They couldn't do it with Breeze on the field because he couldn't throw it that far down the field. They had to bring Winston in for one play to throw one touchdown because the starting quarterback wouldn't have got the ball that far down the field. And that was when it hit me. There was all this hoo-ha about, oh, what a great play, and they pinched it from the birds, and that's how it's supposed to work. And I sat there watching and saying, yeah, but did you see who threw it? He threw one pass all game, and it was the only pass the Saints tried over 40 yards. Because the other guy couldn't do it. Yeah. I, think, I thought when you get in that situation with your starting quarterback, you've got to move on. You, but it goes, to, it goes to show you, and I'm not taking anything away from Alvin Kamara, but that's why his productivity this year has been so high. Yeah. Because Drew Brees can only throw it to the flats. Boom. And they need a running game to be successful. Yeah. Because when you've got a successful running game, you very rarely question the pass. So when Drew Brees does fake the handoff and drop back, people are surprised that, oh God, he's going to throw it. Well, God, I'll tell you what, did you see the video in the week that was doing the rounds? It was on, it was on Twitter of Brady and Breeze chatting. Yeah. And then Brady threw the pass to 
Breeze's son. And I remember thinking, the cynical side of me thought, well, Tom's had to throw that because Drew wouldn't have got it that far. Yeah. You know, <laughs> to that corner, that back exactly. corner of the end zone. It would have been intercepted by the other little kid stood in front, wouldn't it? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. but also, you know, a stat that sits comfortably with what we're talking about is Thomas didn't have one reception. No. Their number one target, probably one of the best, if not some would claim the best wide receiver in the league. Did you see what he said in the week, though? It was brilliant. Did you see what he said in the week? It was brilliant. So he said, I only played because I wanted to get Drew Brees a ring. He said, I need surgery. I shouldn't be on the field. I played for one reason. And he's gone straight in to have surgery on the injuries that kept him out. And he played for one reason, to try and get his quarterback one more shot. He never mm. ended up catching the ball. He may well have done himself more damage than he had to start with. But it just shows the regard that Drew Brees is held in, in his own locker room, that somebody would make that sacrifice. Just one little takeaway from that game. I'm a big fan of defensive players, and I love a linebacker. And Devin White of oh. Tampa Bay is oh. an absolute superstar in the making. He is literally everywhere. How good was he, by the way? Oh, he was phenomenal. And one thing I like about him, you know, I'm not getting involved in X's and O's. No. But he wears a number 45. Yes, he does. He does. He does. He, he we wears got... a number that yeah. has, been, has not been allocated to any other player. So he no. got what they call a dog shit number. Yeah. Well, Gary Fenzik was 45 for the Bears, wasn't he, way back when in the 85 season? So I yeah, like that too. But no one. No, no one steps into the limelight wearing 45. No, when we go on holiday in the summer, we're hoping to get over to the, to the States and we go to Florida. I will purchase a 45 Devin White jersey while I'm there. <laughs> that, that's enough. I'm not buying a Brady 12. I'm buying a White 45. He's the boy. I, yeah. I thought he was great. And I can't and he, wait this week to see what he does with Rogers. Yeah, it's going to... Yeah, I mean, gosh. But it's good to see a, a big physical presence oh, in that linebacking he, core for Tampa he, Bay. He reminded me in terms of build and speed and all that of Erlacher with the Bears. Brian, Brian Erlacher played safety in college and then played middle linebacker in the pros. And, and he had the safety speed and the linebacker strength. And you look at White, same thing. Runs like a defensive back and hits like a defensive lineman. I mean, he's the, the perfect modern day backer. And they always talk about players who can cover tight ends 1v1 from the linebacker position. And there aren't many. That's why Erlacher was a first ballot Hall of Famer. He can do that. You know, Devin White could pick any tight end in the league and probably go with him. So he's a player. He's, he's all of a sudden one of my favourites. I really like him. Yeah, he played well. He played well. So let, let's get into it then, Darren. Uh, we've yeah. got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We've got Tom Brady taking on another 12, Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers in what is being deemed the frozen tundra of Green Bay. You've been there. Just set the scene for us. Well, um, it is quite a remarkable place. And I've been in Foxborough for an AFC championship game. And I've been in Green Bay for a, a playoff game. And I can tell you that it's cold in Massachusetts, but it's colder in Wisconsin. <laughs> um, so it will, be, it will be difficult. And of course, the biggest issue that you have is not necessarily the temperature when you're there. It's the fact that when you're in New England, you play on artificial turf. So there is no issue underfoot. When you play in Green Bay, you play on grass. And that can be a real issue for you if you're not used to it. So especially if you're a team like, you know, Tampa that's maybe built for speed. When you think about the wide receivers, they get the ball down the field a lot. Um, 
and it, you know they tend to play in pretty benign conditions most of the time, don't they? They play, you know, games in the domes in Atlanta and New Orleans in the regular season. They play Carolina every year in the division. So in general, they're not outdoors an awful lot. And when they are outdoors in their own stadium, it tends to be, you know, 80 degrees and sunny and dry and all that. So it is different for one or two. The only thing that'll be a problem for Brady might be a problem for one or two others because it is a pretty unique environment. You would say the two, the two stadiums that are, that are the most similar in that regard in the league, and I've been to both of them, would be Soldier Field in Chicago and, and Green Bay. You'd say that Soldier Field is slightly more difficult to play in because you get the wind off the lake. So it's extremely windy as well as cold and, and frosty underfoot, whereas in Green Bay, you don't tend to get that, but you probably get a bit more snow. So I think the, the climactic conditions could, could, could swing it one way. I can't get away from the regular season game where, where Tampa Bay was so dominant against Green Bay that you thought, well, if they play each other again down the road, it's a complete mismatch. And you would have said on that day that the game would have been played in Tampa because they look so superior to Green Bay that you would have said the books would win more regular season games than, than the Green Bay Packers. I think you've got a quarterback playing absolutely the top of his game, the best player in the league this year in Aaron Rodgers, the best one-two combination in the league, Aaron Rodgers to Devontae Adams. So I think that's that's a massive advantage. And then I look at Tom Brady and say, well, he never loses playoff games. So how on earth do you, do you try and pick this? And I thought a big thing, Vern, before you have your take on it, I thought the big thing for me was the way they came back against New Orleans last week. Because at halftime, you know, I thought the Saints were the better team and they made one or two adjustments at halftime and the defence stepped up a little bit and then Brady started to be Brady. And I just looked at that and thought, these might just have another gear, you know, that we've not really seen yet. And you might see that this week in Lambeau Field against the Green Bay Packers. But it's one of those, I think, where you don't worry too much about who wins it. You just sit back and enjoy it because you might never see Brady v. Rogers again. And you certainly might not see Brady v. Rogers again in an NFC Championship game. So I think it's one you sit back, enjoy it, and just take it for what it is. Yeah, I, I mean, this is one for the ages. I, I, I honestly believe that. This is one where NFL films are sending everyone. They're <laughs> just sending everyone. Do you know what? Stick to the COVID protocol. We want every camera on every 10-yard <laughs> marker on the field. Just send yeah. everyone. Because this is going to be, this is history in the making. It doesn't matter which team makes it. They've got a quarterback. Each team has a quarterback who is going to set his own legacy in the NFL. Brady's is already written. I think Aaron Rodgers has still got a long way to go, to be honest with you. You're right. It's one of those games where we sit down, we put it on the telly, and we don't move. We just watch it and enjoy it and soak it up. And I don't think there'll be a lot of WhatsApp group traffic, to be honest with you, because we'll, I think we'll just be in awe of what we're watching. I hope we will be in awe in what we're watching because it would be disappointing if it's such a close game that not many points are scored. You know, like, for example, this weekend, everyone's ramping up Man United versus Liverpool. They're always a nil-nil draw, pretty much. They're always dull games because the two equal each other out. Yeah. Uh, I know people say, yeah, but historically X, Y, and Z, blah, 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 blah. But when there's so much hype around a game, it never seems to evolve into what we expect it to be. But this game, I think, could be completely different and solely because of the conditions. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yeah, I think there's two areas that are, that are going to be really important. And, and I give Green Bay quite a big advantage in one of them. I think the quarterbacks are so good and there are really good wide receivers on the field. And I think in Jair Alexander, the, the cornerback of Green Bay, he's got the ability to, to take away one of the, the Tampa Bay receivers. I don't necessarily think that the Tampa Bay cornerbacks have got the ability to do that with Devontae Adams. And I look at the Green Bay Packer offensive line that lost David Bakhtiari, the best left tackle in the league, to a season-ending injury. But they've played really well as a unit, even without him. If they get dominated like they did by Jason Pierre-Paul, Shaq Barrett and the rest, as they did in the regular season, it's going to be a long day for Rodgers. But if that line can protect him better and give Rodgers time behind, then it looks a mismatch between Rodgers to his wide receivers compared to those defensive backs at Tampa Bay. So I think a lot of this is going to be decided on how well Rodgers gets protected by his offensive line. Because I think from Brady's perspective, he'll be happy to throw five-yard passes all day so they can get the ball out of his hands relatively quickly. And I think with a big back like Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones as well, they want to try and control the clock, they can. But I think Rodgers sometimes just needs that little bit more time because he wants to take more shots down the field to, to Devante Adams. So I, I think that's going to be key, that the Packer offensive line has to play way better on Sunday than it played in the regular season. Yeah, but Darren, look what they did to the Rams. Yeah, I know. They absolutely yeah. took that defensive line out of the equation. Yeah. Number one defense in football was non-existent. All I'd say, though, for an Aaron Donald wasn't Aaron Donald. We know that. I get it. I get it. But and the difference between that team and the Rams team is that you get Shaq Barrett off one side and then you get the all-pro Jason Pierre-Paul off the other. And what you also have is that speed at linebacker, Levante David. And, and Devin White, it, it's a difficult defense when they are getting pressure on to work a way through. And they did enough last week, if you think about it, against a very good Saints offensive line. So, you know, they'll be quite confident of getting to Rodgers. And if they do get to Rodgers, it can become a long afternoon for him or a long evening for him. Yeah, but I, think, but I, think, I think if for the psychology element of the game, if you've had a tough game, or a game that allegedly should have been a tough game against a, a defensive line like the Rams, and you come out of it smelling of roses, and your quarterback is pretty much unscathed, you're going in there with a bound in your stride. 
Yeah, but I, I don't. And think I know it's was, a different proposition. Do you think that was a difficult game? They're a nine-win team, the Rams. I mean, I got them. Yeah. I, I got them getting blown out by Green. Yeah, but Darren, look at the way even the Americans were talking up their defensive line and their yeah, defense. They were trying Everyone to watch talking about Devontae Adams and the Josh Norman matchup. They wanted you know? people to watch it. That was a mismatch every every way you looked at it. Well, yeah, I get it. I get it. But what I'm saying is, is you know, you're you're talking up the. Tampa Bay D line. I'm talking about. I'm talking up the Green Bay offensive line because they are ready. They know what they've got coming, and I don't think this game is going to be the matchup. It's definitely not going to be the matchup that we saw in the regular season. This is going to be a tough game for both teams. I think you're probably right. Um, I think you, I, I agree. I don't think this is going to be lopsided either way. Green Bay need to get their running game going in this match. That's the key to their offensive success. Because Aaron Rodgers, if, if they can get play action going, if they can develop a running game, Aaron Rodgers is going to have a field day when it comes to those passing downs. Mm. Yeah, maybe. But I, I kind of looked at that at the weekend and you would have said, well, Alvin Kamara is going to get his yards. But they're a tough defence to run on, Tampa Bay. I think, I think, I've not got the stats in front of me, I think they might have had the best rushing defence in the league this year. Yeah, so, their defence is good. And remember, right. Darren, we said it at the beginning of the season when Brady went there they've got a good defense they've right, got a so great look defense from, look at it from this angle then if you if you defend tampa bay and you shut down mike evans and you can also shut down the running game you've still got then antonio brown chris godwin rob gonkowski and cameron bray it's a very difficult team to defend because they've got so many weapons if you can stop aaron jones and double Devante Adams, you're then looking at Marquez Valdez-Scantlin and Robert Tonyan to win the game for you. I think as good as Adams and Rogers are, and as good as Jones is, you've got less problems to solve defending Green Bay than you have Tampa Bay. And I would say that Tampa Bay also has a superior defense. So I think on that side of it, I think you've got to give the Buccaneers the edge. I, I think it's going to be tight. Like, look, I'm going to stick my neck on the block. Brady wins. Tampa Bay win the game. They're going to go in there and win. I, I, they've been good. But I, I can't get away from the fact that Chicago played them really close in week 17. And the score looks lopsided because of two errors in the fourth quarter that led to 14 points. But the rest of that game was a pretty tight game. And I'm, I'm, I'm going Tampa Bay. I, I think the Buccaneers play the Super Bowl at Raymond James Stadium. They become the first team to do that. I, I, I'm, going, I'm, I'm, I'm all in on the books. <laughs> well, I'm with you. I'm with you. I, yeah, of course I am. You know, yeah. I've called the books from day one. I know. Uh, when Brady, as soon as Brady signed, that's where my money went. You know, yeah. I thought they'd win their division. I genuinely did. The, the Saints came out on top, obviously. Uh, I think they'll win the conference and I think they'll win the Super Bowl. I really do because I just think that... I think they'd lose to Kansas City if they get there. No, I, 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 I think they'll find a way to beat Kansas City. Yeah. I honestly believe that. I think it'll be Gandalf versus, uh, I don't know, name a young character in, in Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Never seen it. Frodo. Bilbo. Yeah, exactly. Bilbo Baggins versus yeah. Gandalf. Uh, the old master versus the young ninja, but it's going to be it's going to be a good one, uh, and I can't wait. 
No, the other one doesn't really need breaking down a great deal, I don't think, because I think it's decided on one thing. If Mahomes is fine, then I think the Chiefs are favoured. I think if Chad Henney's the Kansas City quarterback, then it swings significantly the other way to Buffalo. I think it's as simple as that. Yeah, I totally agree. Anyway, that was it. Shooting Sharp production. See you later. <laughs> yeah. That, but that, you're right. That's all it needs, Darren. Yeah. That is all it needs. If Chad Henney's under centre, it's game over for Kansas City. Yeah. Because you could see the morale drop in their faces. As soon as Patrick Mahomes went in the blue tent, it, they were like, oh, gosh. Yeah. Chad Henney. I think if he's if he's okay and he's Patrick Mahomes and not just out there for the sake of being out there. Well, he's got I a think, dodgy toe as well, and we yeah. saw the effect that that had on him launching the yeah. football. If he's Pat Mahomes on 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 Sunday night, I think the pressure really then falls on Josh Allen because it's okay being in a shootout with Tua Tunga Vailoa in the regular season, but if you've got to go up and down the field time after time against Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead against Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey. That's a big issue because it's in your mind. You're thinking, even if we settle for a field goal, we're in trouble. You know, mm. you're under so much pressure as a young quarterback with a new team in a championship game for the first time. That brings enough pressure anyway. When you ramp that up by saying, not only have you got to do that, but you're probably going to have to go up and down the field and match the best in the business. It's a big, big ask. I don't, think, I don't think they're quite there yet. I think next year, maybe, year after maybe, but... I think if on a level playing field now, I still think you've got to favour Kansas City. Yeah, I agree. But I'm yeah. just thinking then, Darren, you know, we, we, we know the importance of a quarterback in the NFL. Look at the four teams that remain. Take Chad Henney out of the equation. You've got Josh Allen, you've got Patrick Mahomes, you've got Tom Brady, and you've got uh, Aaron Rodgers. You've got the young kids in the AFC. You've got the old guard in the NFC. Yeah, And we've talked many times on this podcast about this new genre, this new type of quarterback, the new young bloods that are coming through. 50-50 in the playoffs. You've got two old boys and two young kids. Yeah. yeah, Really, really interesting matchups. <clears throat> yeah, it is. I just think that the beauty of Josh Allen is that he's, a little, he's, he's still got that ability to throw the ball down the field. And he's, he's, he's got that telepathy with Stefan Diggs. And if they click, they can put up a lot of points. Um i tell you what I thought at the weekend as well, just kind of going back a little bit. I mean, Baltimore lost. They were my Super Bowl pick and everybody keeps saying, oh, they've got to, they've got to change. They're not going to win the Super Bowl like that. I'm not sure they can. I don't think all of a sudden you can make Lamar Jackson Patrick Mahomes. You've decided he's going to be your quarterback and he's going to run the ball more than he's going to throw it. And he's not particularly that comfortable sat there in the pocket chucking it. He'll do it when he needs to. I don't think you're necessarily going to change them a great deal, are you? But Darren, 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 didn't we say this time last week that Lamar Jackson has to be careful about running out of the pocket? We said he's got Robert Griffin III sat yeah. there telling him the dangers of running and scrambling, and lo and behold, fourth quarter, boom, see you later. Yeah. But I think he knows, Vern, that he can't sit back and be a pocket passer. He has to no. run. That's, what, that's why he's in the NFL. He's yeah, in the NFL I, I because think he's the best running quarterback we've ever seen. That's why I know this sounds there. contradictory, but I think if he put on a bit more timber and made himself physically stronger, mm. and I'm not saying this so that he would be safer running out of the pocket, I'm saying this because I personally think if he became a little bit heavier, he would be a better pocket passer. Yeah. I think his foundation would be stronger. I think his movement would be more stable, and I think it would give him an extra through five yards on the way he passes the football. Yeah, I think 
I think you're probably right. And I, but I also would say that if he was if he was comfortable enough dropping back in the pocket, then he wouldn't have gone 23rd overall. He would have gone first overall because you would have thought his speed and his ability to pass it, mm. then he's he's the best player going into the league that we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. But he, he went 23rd because he's he's a little bit flawed when it comes to throwing it. So you're not really going to change him a great deal. And I think John Harbour's task this off-season with his offensive coordinator is to try and work out how they do what they do better. Because mm. I don't think you can change it. You've just got to do it better. Mm. So when you get to that stage of the playoffs, you're better than you have been. And they were better this year. They just weren't quite good enough. Yeah, I think, they're be- and I think they need um, a better number one receiver. Yes. They really do. Easy, but they need a, a big one. Yeah. Because he's not, he's not, you know, he's, he's got a lot of, he's got a lot of power on his throw. He's got a good arm, strong arm, mm. but he's not Aaron Rodgers. He's not, he's not fitting it through tight windows, is he? He needs. That's why they brought Des Bryant in because Des, Des has size. I mean, Des is essentially a tight end these days because he's lost a bit of speed, but he's not lost any size, and his catch radius is huge. Mm. You know, I th- there's going to be a receiver on the market this off season called Allen Robinson who's just caught 100 passes playing for the Chicago Bears, my God. 100 passes playing for them. Imagine if he played with somebody decent and they caught 200. So there's no doubt about him. He's a free agent. He's got size. He's a number one. He'd be perfect for the Baltimore Ravens. Absolutely perfect. They need that kind of guy in that offense. And then he can take a random shot down the field to Marquise Brown. There is no, there is no coincidence that Mark Andrews catches all his passes because he's the biggest bloke out there. So Lamar can find him. It's okay. Here's the big guy. We'll chuck it to him because he's not that accurate and he doesn't see it like other quarterbacks do. That's why he sets off and runs all the time. A little bit more patience in the pocket might give his receiver time to get open, but his first thought is, no, I'm off. Bang, cheers. I'll get five yards on my feet. I might break one. That's what he thinks. Mm. So I, I think if, if they can get a number one, I agree with you totally, and it's, but it's got to be a certain type. He's got to have a bit of size and he's got to have long arms. So yeah. I think if they can do that, they've got more of a chance. But I don't think they'll change what they do because that's who they are. Well, they've invested in that. Yes. They've invested in that. And they've just got rid of Mark Ingram. So yes, they obviously yes. rely on, on the running backs that they've got unless they're thinking of taking one in the draft. Maybe. Be a good signing for somebody, Mark Ingram, next year. Definitely. Uh, right, Darren, so predictions. Well, I think it's the big one. The winner of... The winner of each of these games goes to the Super Bowl. So just yes. to conclude, in the AFC, it's the Buffalo Bills versus the Kansas City Chiefs. Who have you got? I'm going to go Kansas City because I expect my homes to play. Okay. I'm going to go Bills. Okay. I think just because you chose Kansas City, I'm yeah. going to make it interesting. I think Josh Allen has got what it takes. I think their defense will be fired up. Uh, I think Stefan Diggs is too good for the Kansas City defensive backs. And I think it will be a three-point game. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. And NFC, I, 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 I'm going to go, go Tampa Bay in a squeaker in Lambeau. Right. I'm going to go Tampa Bay Yeah. solely because of the romance of the fact that Tampa Bay could play a Super Bowl in their home stadium. Tom Brady, at the tender age of 44... Is he? 43? 43. 43. He said, if Vern makes me 44, tell him I'll never speak to him again. (laughs) 43. (laughs) Well, Tom Brady, the godfather of our children, but he doesn't yet know it. He 
will be a Super Bowl champion this year. Yeah. I think the Tampa Bay defence will pick Aaron Rodgers off twice on Sunday. And I think that'll be the difference. Yeah. And I think Brady plays a clean game. Yeah, I agree. Well, Brady's got to. Yeah. Got to. That's essential. Because you don't want Aaron Rodgers on the field with the football in his hand. No. So, yeah, there you go. All right, I look wait. forward to it. Darling. It's been quite a deep discussion this week. I've enjoyed it. I've never seen this side of you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's been intense. You know, it's only because our, our, our love of the game is always, you know, the top of our list, priorities. The physical, that's why we got into that. We love yeah. the physical elements of watching athletes get involved with each other. Hey, I was, I was going to lighten the mood. before We were chatting before we came on today about various memories about when we used to be younger and playing this game. <laughs> and I didn't play as long as you did. But I was about to tell you a story about my first ever game. Oh, yeah. We played, we played West Bromwich. I can't remember what they were called. West Bromwich, some of others. And we played their ground. So we were all excited, you know, going on the coach and all that. In fact, it wasn't the first, it wasn't the first game. We played, we played the crew. <laughs> we, play, we, played, we played the crew railroaders in the first game. We got absolutely whooped. Hey, I'll tell you what, the crew railroaders, right? Yeah. And uh, there were the crew railroaders. And the cruise missiles. There you go. Yeah, probably two of the best names in British yeah, football. Yeah, the crew railroad is absolutely battered us, and we we turned up thinking we were the eighty-five Bears. Brilliant. And, yeah, got back on the bus thinking we were the Care Bears. It was that bad. <laughs> but anyway, we played West Bromwich in that season, and we played at their their ground, which was essentially this local park. And they're a little bit chirpy in that, but it was fine. The game the game was going okay until midway through one of the quarters. On their sideline, which was the opposite to us, obviously, this fella appeared like a grown man appeared with a baseball bat and set about one of the West Brom lads who'd got all his pads on and everything, helmet pads, the lot. So I mean, what the yeah. So this the game's carrying on. This fella's setting about one of the West Brom fellas with a with a with a baseball bat. Pretty sure the police arrived and took him away. And we carried <laughs> on. We carried on. It was mad. It was, it was crackers. I'd never experienced anything like it. Only we in Britball. We went somewhere else. We played Gateshead as well in the playoffs. The Senators. The Senators. Up there at the, at the Athletic Stadium. And, and I got a bollocking off the coach for, for, for breaking the, the, the food machine. You know, the... The, the bending machine. The bending machine, yeah. Because <laughs> some of the lads have been rocking it, you know, to try and get the, the crisp out. <laughs> I had not done it. And the... the wasn't me that did it, and the gate said coach and said it was said it was me. Brilliant. And, it me. and I got I got I was I was ostracized for a while by the coach because I'd knackered the vending machine. It wasn't me. It, to this day, it's, it wasn't me. That is a classic. It was not me. I was guilty during that game of one of the most egregious, unsporting, late hits on a quarterback the game's ever seen. Because I couldn't get anywhere near the fella. I was playing outside linebacker, couldn't get past the tackle. So I waited till the play was dead and flattened the quarterback just so it gave me a reason to be there. So I don't think the coach liked me because of that. But to accuse <laughs> me of knackering his vending machine because of it was a real low blow, I thought. Oh, man. Yeah. I'm not going to start with my football, Brit ball memories. Because <laughs> we'll, we'll, be, we'll, be, <laughs> we'll be here all week. Yeah. Nightmare. We'll carry on next week anyway. We will. Uh, right. So we've got, we've both got the Buccaneers and then we've got one of each Kansas City and Buffalo Bills. It's going to be an awesome weekend. Thanks, Darren. Thank you, mate. Enjoyed it. Uh, well, there you go. That is it. That's our, our conference championship 
Predictions. This has been a Shooting Sharp production. I'm Vernon Kerr. He was Darren Fletcher. Where are you this weekend, Darren? Uh, this weekend. So tonight I'm going to, go to Fulham. Manchester United there, trying to get back to the top of the league. I'm working on Sunday, actually. So I'm doing Brentford versus Leicester in the FA Cup, which I'm quite looking forward to. And then I'll be hot-footing it back to present Rogers Brady on Five Live Sports Extra on um, Sunday. And then two weeks after that, we should be together. And by the time we convene next week, we might just have a big announcement again to make about the Super Bowl coverage. Yeah. In terms of who's going to be on our team. Yeah, nice. Look so forward really to it. I'm really excited about that. Yeah, that's all right. Be great. So thanks, Darren. Shooting Sharp production. Uh, you know what to do. Rate, review, all that palaver. And we'll see you next week. Have a great weekend. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 